Whiskey, whiskey, the singer's getting sore. We raise the roof now and we're lowering the floor. The band is blistering, but we got a little more. When I say one, two, you say three, four. One, two, three, four. Welcome to Whiskey Topic. It's Mark Bylock. Jamie Johnson is on assignment, but of course we have a very special guest um, today. And it's actually um, Brian Gowen is here, and he is the producer of the Whiskey Topic podcast. Um, Brian, welcome to the podcast, officially. Well, thank you. Uh, we, you've been on the podcast, basically editing the podcast for the past two and a half years. It's true. Um, so you've been hearing my voice more than many. That's right. Yeah. Um, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but we're gonna we're combining. We I always kind of wanted to bring you on the podcast. Wasn't really sure how we're gonna do it, but uh, this is wonderful because you're a big hockey fan. I am, and I have nine samples of the NHL alumni series uh, whiskey. So we're gonna be drinking nine whiskeys. I'm excited about this. Now, Brian, I, I, I assume. Um, I assume you're like me. You probably drink this many whiskeys every two or three days. You go through about nine, nine glasses of whiskey. Of course, of course. Yeah, this yeah is right. what my dinner table looks like every night. <laughs> of course. Uh, no, but we're going to do, um, so we're going to go through this series. You're going to talk about the hockey players, and I'm going to talk about the whiskey. I think the, the whiskey story for me is going to be interesting because I'm going to talk about how um, uh, Don Livermore and the team at Hiram Walker uh, works for Corby's, uh, how they make each of these whiskeys taste completely different. But I want you to tell me whether they taste different or not, because I feel like, you know, I'll always be like, oh, yeah, there's a subtle note of this or that. But if you think they, t- they taste the same, you let me know. And I think that's going to be like a fun part of um, how do we make whiskey different. Uh, and uh, and you can talk about the hockey players. I love hockey, by the way. I just stopped watching the NHL probably 15 years ago. So um, you should get back. It's a it's a great game again, man. It is. It, it really is. is. But we're sticking to our strengths today. We are. We are sticking to our strengths yeah. today. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about, uh, about his uh, back in the day. But but before we do that, um, I do want to talk about something else we're uh, doing with the podcast. Um I don't know if you guys noticed, but a lot of the there's been a lot of changes in the whiskey community. The biggest one has been uh, Scotch Blog, uh, ScotchWhiskey.com, uh, closing down, and it, it hit me pretty hard because that website was well. I mean, you would think relatively well funded. Uh, they're you know a startup through Whiskey Exchange. Um, they had you know terrific writers, just a, a terrific amount of writers offering editorial comments on the whiskey world. Uh, very much an independent voice. Um, to have them close down was uh, was. Uh, pretty pretty hard to see because uh, I really enjoyed that website. Um, and one of the things that uh, I'm realizing is, you know, when that website closed down, people were like, oh, you know, why didn't you let us subscribe? A lot of people like, if you look at the, if you look on Facebook and everywhere, people are like, why did this close down? Like, right, right. We would have paid you money. Just, just, you know, like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't this work out? And um, and I'm guessing it's because they did put a lot of money into that website. They they, they did a really phenomenal amount of work. Um, but I think with the whiskey topic and you know the website whiskey.buzz where the whiskey topic is hosted um, that has a nice voice in the community but I think uh, I was looking at ways like what do we do to kind of help strengthen that voice and so one of the models that uh, became very obvious was Patreon uh, there's there's a bunch of Patreon uh, whiskey websites and podcasts that do that um, basically ask their, ask their uh, listeners for support uh, with Patreon it's basically uh, it's a, if you're new to Patreon it's a subscription service uh, you do it monthly and you contribute, you know, $4, $5, $10, whatever it is. Um, and with that, with that subscription, uh, you help support uh, the creative efforts of whomever you're supporting. The nice thing about the Patreon model, though, is um, you can get exclusive content through Patreon. So uh, subscribers have the ability to just get content that's usually behind the scenes, you know, something right. that... Yep. You know, you know, we would maybe have a conversation outside of the the podcast with with a guest uh, or or something that I might be writing, uh, working on that I might be writing um, that uh, that you know an opinion piece or whatever that's not quite ready. You send out to Patreon, so kind of really get the kind of ins- more more inside scoop of the of the website and the podcast. Um, so that's what we're gonna do with uh, with both Whiskey.Buzz and Whiskey Topic. It's just gonna be one Patreon because otherwise it would get very confusing. Um, but my my goal here is first uh, we want to. Really release the podcast more regularly. Yes. Uh, and we have been, uh, but we want to set limits. So if we get a certain amount of dollars, this will be a weekly podcast. There's not going to be that irregular schedule. Because, Brian, you know, I, I'm not good with schedules. It's, it's tough. It, it, it well, is we're tough. Both, we're both dads. We're both dads. Both it's hard. Got, uh, each of us have two, uh, two children at home, two young kids at home. It's demanding. It's hard to get this, to schedule this in. It is. Um, but this is something road. that would allow us yeah. both and, and hopefully other, other people that could uh, be brought on uh, to uh, dedicate more time to it mm-hmm. and to, to put more out into the world for that community that obviously is very interested in, in, in whiskey and everything that uh, you've been talking about for the last few years. 
Yeah, and you know we've had some great podcasts, uh, kind of September onwards. You know the uh, Ireland and you know Dr. Don Livermore, of course, and all this. This content's you know it's great, and uh, the biggest thing it does is it does take time away from the family. And I think that's what it was really tough for me for the first two years, especially the kids were so young, um, and so it, it is something that you know we do sacrifice our time to to try to to produce this content, and I do it because I'm very passionate about. it. I love doing it, um, but I think for you know uh, I think like um, I commit to a weekly schedule. Uh, uh, you know, there there is that kind of financial aspect to it, um, but also with whiskey.buzz, I'd love to have writers for whiskey.buzz. Uh, yes, you have a website like scotchwhiskey.com. That's that um, that thing, and you know, I write for some of the whiskey magazines, some of the print magazines as well. Um, it's a really tough industry out there. It's not a. It's not easy to get. Whiskey jobs not easy to get writers. It's not easy to find well-paying writing engagements, and um, and that needs to change because we're losing, in a lot of ways, we're losing that independent voice in whiskey. If we don't, if we only have, uh, if we only have, you know, mediums that are that are strictly supported by the whiskey industry by by producers, we're gonna we're gonna lose a bit of that independence. Yeah. Um. So I'd love to be able to do that. So we'll set up some goals on Patreon and kind of. You know, ideally, kind of strive for those goals down the line. The weird thing about Patreon, I, I've done this. I've been following. The reason why I've been kind of slow in getting into it is the first few months suck on Patreon because you're kind of like, oh, a person submitted four dollars. That's right. great. Um, but the reality is, it's 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 going to take a while to build up that support. And I and I'm I don't know if I was okay with that a couple of years ago when the kids were young, and I just I wasn't able to like dedicate that that time to it. But now I think. Uh, it's a good place for us to go forward with that. Um, so we're going to work towards that. And in my experience with uh, these kinds of um, sponsorship drives or subscription drives, I, I worked with um, CIUT, uh, the U of T radio station mm-hmm. here in, in Toronto. And they always say that it's if you can get a good push early, yeah. that, that really helps the momentum coming. So that would be uh, really great. If, if you have been listening to this podcast, if you've been uh, reading Mark's uh, writing, maybe you've even gone to some tastings or events and things like that, um, now's the time yeah, to, to step up and show your support and get that ball rolling. Because yeah. people start to see that, oh, hey, we're close. We're getting close to that first level or that second level. And if we hit that, yeah, there will be a podcast every week. So I think, yeah, if, if this is a podcast that you like listening to and you value, um, if Mark, you like Mark's writing and if you like uh, everything that uh, Jamie and all the other people, all the other voices that you hear are doing, then now's, now's the time to step up and, and, and show your support. And uh, I'm excited. I think this is, this is a pretty exciting thing. And I think that we've talked a lot about this for a while now. And mm-hmm. it just seems like now is the right time. Yep. Both sort of, sort of uh, personally for us, mm-hmm. all, but also uh, in the world, in the, the the whiskey world. You mentioned that this is a bit of a hole that has been uh, created, and I think it sort of uh, shook us both up a little bit to say that, like you say, we can't lose this kind of content Independent and that content. kind of writing and this these these voices. So um, hopefully, you know, we'll be able to, uh, to bring that to uh, to all, y'all listening. Yeah, uh, absolutely. No, that's, I appreciate that, Brian. That's that's great, and I and I, and I totally uh, think the the exclusive content we're going to offer through Patreon will be um, sound bites from every podcast that we do. Uh, like I said, writing that I've that I've uh, working on, um, and just more behind the scenes stuff. Um, it'll be interesting. I, I, I'm looking forward to it because I think um, there's always things like that. I that I. I I don't know if this is obvious about me or not, but I always try to craft like when I'm writing. I think this is because I wrote the book. Everything I'm like, every word is, seems to be so important, and I don't want to. I'm always very careful about how I craft words because I want it to read well, but also I'm also very careful about that. I I like the idea of having a Patreon where it's something behind a paywall. Uh, that content specifically that I could just write, and I'm not have don't have to worry right. too much about what you know. Oh, I misspelled this or whatever. Just be more casual with with an audience. Uh, I think that's great, and I think that I'm looking forward to that. So um, there's going to be you know you can go to whiskey.buzz and hit the Patreon button. You can go to Patreon, search for for uh, the podcast and the website. Um, however you want to get there, um, go in, have a look at what we offer, the different subscription models, um, and uh, yeah, if you can support the podcast and the website, that would be wonderful. It would really help. Us and I think it'll help uh, you know just produce more content that we do. And I would really love to get a commitment to put this podcast every week because I think oh uh, yeah, it, we're, we're, it would just be wonderful to get a spot. I, I have so many. It's amazing how many story ideas I don't run because there's just no time. Right. Uh, and it would be great to kind of to be able to have that commitment of time. Absolutely. All right.
So um, we're we're good. We're going to be ready to taste whiskey now. Yeah, let's do this. All right, excellent. <laughs> Um, so as I mentioned, uh, this is going to be, this is mostly just for fun, but we're going to, we're going to start with, uh, I, I know I almost, I, I'm so embarrassed. I, Mark Messier. We're starting with Mark Messier. He, he was playing around the time I watched hockey. Right. Yeah. Um, because he played for the Oilers. Yeah. Won a few Stanley Cups. Four, uh, five with the Oilers, one with the Rangers. One with the Rangers. I think he, be- I believe he's the only player to captain two different teams to the Stanley Cup. That's right. Yes. That's, there you go. Um, and fantastic player, right? He was like, oh yeah. Big, rugged, just like the, yeah. The, the yeah. sort of tough guy, sort of the modern day Gordie Howe kind of player. Okay. And he played behind Wayne Gretzky. Everybody knew, obviously knows Wayne Gretzky and like the numbers that he put up. But the first time that Edmonton Oilers won the Stanley Cup, it was actually Mark Messier who won the Smythe, the the MVP of the oh, playoffs wow. that year. Wow. Yeah. So you have the, you know, consensus, like far and above best player in the world. And and it's not like Gretzky didn't play well in that playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Messier really embodied the what does it take to win? Right. Right. That right. leadership, that winning attitude. Um famously when he went to the Rangers, uh, they were down in the semifinals and uh he guaranteed a victory. He did. And guess what? He went to the captain of the team. He guaranteed victory, which is, you know, a pretty ballsy thing to do. And what did he do? He set, went out and scored a hat trick <laughs> so that they won the game and they went on to win, win the cup. That's the kind of That's that leadership. really is, is him. There's not a lot of players that would say that and do that. Yeah. He, he did it both, right? That's that's pretty amazing. Uh, he played. He was a defenseman, correct? No, centerman. Centerman. See, I already got that wrong. That's all right. Um, so um, the the whiskey. Um, I'm guessing his number was forty. What was his no, number? his number was eleven. Okay, right. His number is eleven. Where's right. forty-seven come from? Because there's a lot of different numbers. That's a common theme through these. Uh, yeah, these yeah. whiskeys. There's a, Don calls them Easter eggs, which are a great way to say it. Right. So this this is a whiskey. It's a Canadian whiskey that's aged for 11 years after his number. Yes. Um, but uh, this is primarily a grain blend. So it's got corn, rye, and malted barley. My guess is he was he's probably a bit of a Scotch fan. If he wants that that malted barley, uh, if he wants a little bit of malty barley in the whiskey. Uh, but all these all these things have been individually aged. So the corn, the rye, and the barley have been individually produced, distilled. Uh, barreled, aged for eleven years, and then they. Blend. Is that common? It is in Canadian whiskey. Yes, in Canadian yeah. whiskey. Yeah. Okay. Especially from Hiram Walker. So, so let's nose it because it does nose like a it does nose like a Canadian whiskey. You get the, the mm-hmm. char notes, right? The yeah. like Charmos caramel notes, all right. I get a little bit of that nice rye, a nice little rye sweetness, almost like a brown sugar mm-hmm. note to it. Mm-hmm. Yep, caramel. Rye. I don't taste a lot of malted barley on this, but maybe there's a little bit of nuttiness on there. I'm not really getting too much malted barley, but that's okay. I think the um, but this is like very like heavy, rich whiskey. How would right. you describe it? Uh, not as well as as you just did. I'm sure I do get the sort of the nuttiness, and and it does. It's familiar to me as somebody who has uh, consumed uh, his fair share of uh, Canadian whiskey over the years. And on the palate, it's very heavy. It's a kind of very kind of. Um, it's it's uh, maybe in 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 the style of Messier. It's a uh, it's a very kind of uh, the finish is fantastic. It's got a lot of lot of character to it. It's driven a lot by the barrel. So I, I do think this is more of a barrel focused. Uh, like you get like the caramels, like I was saying. Um, uh, but it's also very just heavy on the palate. It's got a lot of character. Pro- probably the perfect whiskey. And when Don does these uh, with the players, what he'll do is he'll sit them down. And he has this entire blending room. And in fact, I, you know, I promote on my on Twitter all the time. Don, you can do this with Don yourself. You can just, if you're at Windsor, you can go in and once a quarter, once every three months, I guess, he goes in and he puts together all these whiskeys and you can start blending your own things. And this is kind of how these were made. Okay. Um, you know, of course, I, I think Don at the end of the day probably said, let's make this whiskey taste Right, you know, well for the consumer, but all right, we're gonna move on to. I, there's nine whiskeys. We're gonna be. Uh, we're gonna move on to Paul Coffee. Sound good? That sounds good. All right. All right. Paul Coffee, also a member of a lot of those uh, dynasty Edmonton Oilers teams of the of the '80s. Right. Uh, but also moved on to the Penguins and was part of those two championship uh, teams uh, in the early '90s with uh, Mary Lemieux and. Okay. Barrasso. So he's another winner, but he really played the game. He was a defenseman, but a very offensive defenseman. Uh, he did 
uh, score 48 goals, which is the record for a defenseman. For a defenseman. Ah. Um, and he came very close to beating uh, Bobby Orr's uh, points record, but he wasn't able to do it. Right. Cause 48, though, they, I, I remember hearing a story that they were really trying to get him 50. Right. Because 50 is a big, big, big marker in hockey. 50, Even 50 for goals. a forward, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It goes back to Maurice Richard and the 50 goals and 50 games. He was the first to do it. Um, and even now, 50 goals is a, is a big, big marker, and, and no defenseman's ever done it. So he's come the closest. Uh, that's pretty amazing. Great right? skater, yeah. uh, great puck mover, um, and really, uh, you'd say a, a high-risk, high-reward defenseman. That's the term they would give uh, for a, a guy like that. And, and you think about the back in that era, you you still have, you know, Gretzky's records are nowhere near being broke. No. The, the level of play... Um, has I guess maybe more equalized now. There, there's a lot more players of that similar was, caliber. Yeah, if you go and look, I just looked uh, at uh, the team goal records. So how many goals does the whole entire team score? Now, usually the best teams score in the in in the three hundreds, which is 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 high. The Oilers were up over five hundred, and I think they have wow. the top five records for most goals scored in a season. So they were just like. Outscoring, they were a lot of eight seven games and stuff like that. So as a result, guys like Gretzky and players on like that, they they scored at a rate that just it probably you don't want to say it won't ever be equal because you never know what, but it's hard to imagine that anybody could score two over two hundred points or you know Gretzky had ninety two goals one year. Like yeah. if somebody gets again, if somebody gets in the fifties, that's Usually tops in the league now, so it really is amazing. And and uh, coffee was a big part of that. Uh, those teams. And the, the amazing thing is the the NHL has tr- changed a lot of rules to try to promote more goal scoring. Like back then, you could do a lot more like interference. The 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 battles were, uh, you know, like there was just more yeah. grindy battles in the corners. You could yeah, get away with a few more elbows, than you and holding and yeah. slashing, all of that for sure. Um, but. One thing that you'll see if you look at back at highlights in the 70s and 80s, you'll look at the goal, to, goal goalies and you'll say, "Oh my god, like it's 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 a totally different world." Now like there. goalies look you, you don't even see any net. It's just back bats, then yeah. it was uh you see a lot of goals that you think, "Oh, that would never go in now." <laughs> so the goaltending has changed tremendously and I think that's a big part of it. The other part of it is I think the coaching, the yeah. coaching has changed tremendously where uh uh there are Coaches are very defensive mm-hmm. because it's sort of proven that that's sort of what wins. Mm-hmm. But uh, especially through the mid '90s, it's, that would be have been a, probably a good time. That might have been the time where you stopped watching the New Jersey Devil teams that were just yeah, sort of, yep, you're right, slowing everything down and they'd get their one yeah. score in and then they you just that's it, that's they just it, shut it down across the blue line. And it was and boring, gonna, but it they boring. won. Yeah. yeah. So what happens is they get they they copy all the teams try to copy that style yeah. because it's they want to win, but then the game gets boring. So yeah. then the league gets involved and says we have to open this up again. Right. Um, and scoring is up for sure, but it's nowhere near what it was back then. I want to get your. So I don't know if you read. I, I sent you the notes of the whiskey. Oh, mm-hmm. Do you? Uh, what do you pick up from this whiskey? Because I uh, this, this is an interesting one. I think this is possibly one of the more interesting um, blends. I, I want to use the word blend loosely, but uh, what were your kind of notes on this? Because on it's I, I didn't get the same sort of like uh, sweetness. Yeah, I think it's a, to me it has a like a smoother feel. Which again would be sort of emblematic of coffee versus Messier. Coffee being very sort of a smooth player. Yeah. What are you getting? Well, I um, it is um, it's a pretty quiet nose. It kind of for yeah. me nose is like a like a totally. Canadian whiskey, but it's so quiet. It's kind of unexpected. It's a forty eight percent alcohol for the forty eight goals. Um, at least for for scoring record, eight seven years for his jersey number. Um, I'm gonna guess though. There's there's the seven is the youngest. I'm going to guess that there's some older uh, product in here. Mm-hmm. Um, the barrel types, and this is the part that I would have not guessed, but now that I'm reading it, it makes sense. Um, so it's corn and rye. So that's a very classic Canadian profile. Probably a lot of corn, uh, some rye, and that's kind of gives you the classic. But the barrel types used in this are um, Canadian oak, space side oak. So um, you know they have some um, barrels from, I guess, probably American oak, but that used to be aged, uh, used to have scotch in it. Um, some brand new... 
unused oak, so brand new virgin oak, and some ex-bourbon oak. So a gambit of just different types of oak. Um, hmm. And I, I think the space side maybe does give it that bit of darkness, that kind of, uh, it's so hard to say, but it's, it's that, 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 that kind of, um, it. it not a scotch note, but it's just a kind of like darkness. But the, but there's like a brand new American oak uh, that's just going to give you that that caramel notes. Um, and the Canadian oak is probably just many times reused. Uh, sort of the Canadian whiskey is probably just, just barrels that have been reused many times with very little oak influence. But I think the space side and the virgin oak and ex bourbon oak kind of combines this nice little layer on the palate. The nose is pretty quiet. Like this is yeah, this is this a, a very sort of mild nose. Like it, very very different from the uh, the Messier, which again is more sort of what I would expect. Not as sweet either on the palate. It's, it's yeah. got the rye. Actually, I, I maybe misspoke. I think there's probably is a lot of rye um, uh, uh, in this because it does kind of the cut through this. So the message is kind of sweet and heavy. Yeah. This is still heavy, but the rye it is kind of peppery, sort of, aggressive, yeah, spice to it. Yeah, and it's sort of hanging around. Yeah, no, that's really good. I, I that's 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 really fun. Um, let's uh, let's move on to. Um, yeah, you're gonna hear some clanks because mm-hmm. there's just too many glasses here. Um, let's We're also on. on a glass table, which is <laughs> not ideal. So, what is this one now? Uh, this is Daryl Sittler. Um, I'll I'll tell you about the whiskey, and you can tell me about the player. Um, so, this has got all four types. So, doesn't think of this as a like a Gooderham and Warts. It's got corn, rye, wheat, and malted barley. Um, it's Canadian. Uh, uh, Cast. So that, that means, you know, kind of saturated, well-used Canadian cast, what you would find in like a typical Canadian whiskey, and some ex-bourbon first fills. Uh, so it's basically uh, predominantly Canadian whiskey barrel finish. Um, the Easter egg here is uh, iconic 10-point night that he right. scored in 1976. is related to 10-year-old H statement on the bottle that celebrates that. And the liquid proportion percentage uh, is ties to the number, six goals, four assists. So... Um, so the liquor proportions percentages, I guess that's between Canadian and ex-bourbon, six parts Canadian, four parts, four parts wow. bourbon. I think that's the way that worked out. I, I love Don's Easter eggs. Um, so let's, uh, let's, let's have a nose at this. See, to me, this is sort of in between. It's it is. still a little quiet, but it, you know, there's more there, more sort of kind of, you know, corn than, uh, uh, the coffee, but less than the Messier. Are you getting that uh, weeded note on it by any chance? Now that you mentioned, yeah, right, because wheat kind of smells like wheat, right? It's mm-hmm. just what you would imagine yeah. it. Like it's, it's a weird kind of statement, but like if you have mm. wheat grain in it, it just smells a little weedy. Yes, um, not cereal weedy, just like no. weedy. Um, I totally get that. Totally get the little bit of malted barley um, and the corn and rye. Surprisingly um, heavier sweetness towards the middle and end of the palate. Starts off a little thin, yeah. and then you just get this like robust it comes flavor, in there, yeah. and it just kind of comes in towards the end. Like the waves of goals that were rushing ah. past the goalie. And I, actually, I can't remember the goalie's name, but I do know that I believe Don Cherry was the coach of the Bruins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at the time, and their regular goalie, who might have been Jerry Cheevers at the time, just like he wasn't going to go in because usually, you know, you get up. A few, if you you know you have six goals or something, like go past the goalie. You're going to change the goalie out, right? Like not right. let him sit in there, right? And Cheevers, I think, some did something like he put the towel over his head, like just don't put me in, <laughs> don't put me in. And it was a poor rookie that was in net, and he got lit up for all. <laughs> and I remember reading about this a long time ago that Sillers, like just everything he was touching was going in, right, you know, right, right, off his butt, and you know, <laughs> and you can just imagine that that sort of. That onslaught that would have felt and it's sort of it feels a little bit like that, like you say. Okay, I like that. It, I like that. I'm, I'm looking through some of the notes to get some more hints of this, but uh, but uh, yeah, because it is interesting that it's got that so much back palate flavor. But yeah, there you go. That that's that's awesome. So basically, he was relentless. Is what you're saying? Yeah. Um, all right, let's do uh, Lanny McDonald. Sure. Um, here, I'll, uh, I'll pour this and, uh, you tell us about Lanny McDonald because well, I, I, I have good memories of him, but he was, uh, he was a Flames player. So yeah. And you were a Oilers, grew up Oilers fan or? I was mostly a Leafs fan. I think that's, okay. that's really what separated me out of from, well, I mean, uh, he did have some good years. He, he had good years early on with, with the Leafs and, uh, score, scored a big overtime goal for them in the late seventies. Uh, but yeah, he's. Mostly known as a flame mm-hmm. because there's this 
everlasting image of him in his last game, scoring, I believe, the cup-winning goal against my Montreal Canadiens and Patrick Waugh oh, in 1989. Sure. And it was a big, that was, you know, there's a big thing in hockey that players are judged ultimately uh, if you win or not. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there was a big push at the end of Ray Bork's career. Ray Bork was a great defenseman for the Bruins, but never won. And, you know, right at the end, he got traded to um, Colorado Avalanche. Right. A really good team, sort of with the purpose of let's get Ray a cup. And they didn't do it that year, but they did it the next year, and it was a big thing. And Lanny McDonald was, I think, sort of what started that a little bit. Uh Like, it's nice to see that guy that has been a great player for so long finally win. Right. Um, the other thing he's very famous for is his mustache. Yes. He's a, he's a giant. A, yeah. He's a redhead. Like, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we'll go back to you being a Montreal fan and me being a Toronto <laughs> fan because that's, that's a fun, uh, it's always a fun conversation. So, um, Lenny McDonald's a, a blend of three grains. Uh, it's wheat forward, uh, but it has corn and rye. Uh, we were t- just talking about that wheat flavor um, and and that nosing, and this is kind of more that, but it's got a lot of caramel to it as well. So it's a, I would say it's a lot of wheat, but because there's um, there's a virgin oak in here, so there's some brand new American, American oak. So because of that, you get a lot of wheat, but you're also getting a lot of the caramel notes. Yeah, they're I was kinda, gonna say I don't really get up, the wheat as much this. Time. No, it's it's almost masked, right? It's almost masked by the caramel. Yeah, um, the caramel notes. Um, the percentage barrels um, in the blend. Is predominantly uh, sorry. The predominant thing is Canadian whiskey barrels, so it's mostly Canadian whiskey with some virgin oak. Um, aged nine years uh, to tie back to his jersey number uh, for the Flames. Um, and uh, Don Livermore's notes on this are as well-rounded as a testament to his ability to be on both sides of the ice, both I guess defensive and forward. Uh, we forward to pay homage to, to the agriculture in Alberta. There you go. Um, and he basically uh, a traditional Canadian whiskey with a twist uh, using wheat as the primary grain. Um, wheat coming out of Hiram Walker Distillery and what Don, uh, Don Livermore are doing is very exciting. Um, I, you know, I'm so lucky to do this. Uh, I get you know going to, to the distillery and tasting some of the the wheat forward products that they're producing, and it's terrific. It's nothing like American wheat. It's got a whole other character um, that's done. So um, yeah, I'm very excited to try this uh, for a sip anyway. I say try, but you see these barrel, all these samples were full, so I've clearly already <laughs> had some. Um, I think the, the little bit of rye makes it like there's so much less rye in this. You're kind of mostly getting the caramel notes, yeah. some sweetness. Um, a bit more herbal, though. So again, it seems like there's a little older stuff in here than just nine years. I got a bit of this, this sort of rye spice, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I'm Especially just checking the about the... Because I, I had a, almost like a vanilla... Kind of note, but mm-hmm. I can't find it now. I think may it was early on. Yeah, I, um, the way your your palate pro- processes things is usually that you pick up a flavor, then you ignore, then you yeah, get the next yeah. flavor, and then you kind of work your through the back mm-hmm. of the palate. So always important to take a few sips. But like vanilla is great. Um, I think the, the rye is actually kind of. I had the opposite effect. I didn't get a lot of rye in the first sip, but the second, third sip. Now that rye is really starting to come through on the on the palate. A very nice whiskey. Um, I think I think what we're gonna do. Um, is we're going to talk about Wendell Clark because let's, let's let's bring it to Toronto. So Wendell Clark is a player that I know very well. That's that's good. I right. finally know about somebody um, because uh, he um, uh, he was like the heart and soul of Toronto for a long time. Absolutely. I, I mean, with the exception of Dougie Gilmore, of course. Uh, but they all played around the same era. If my they did. Uh, Wendell was there first. He was actually uh, a first overall pick. The last one the Leafs had uh, before Austin Matthews. Uh huh. He was actually picked first overall as a defenseman, right? But played his whole career as a forward, as a winger, right? Right. And uh, you know he had that. Uh, you know, he, the first few years he was all about sort of the toughness, big hits, fights, and then partway through his career, the goals started really coming. Yeah, and he became sort of a dual threat. Of uh, big hits, fights, and I guess it's a triple threat: big hits, fights, and uh, but the toughness and the goal scoring. And uh, he actually was traded in the mid '90s, and that was the trade that brought Matt Sundin to tr- Toronto. Mm-hmm. But he did come back uh, eventually. But yeah, he really was the heart and soul of of, of the Leafs and those er- those runs that they had in the early '90s with Dougie Gilmore. Yeah, um, and he was really sort of that embodiment of. 
you know, the Leafs, right? Yeah, and, and him and Dougie were, were a great team, at least uh, from for the fan base. Um, I, I don't know if my uh, my Wendell Clark uh, story, my my kind of more memorable <laughs> most of them are are uh, um, are PC anymore. Uh, from okay. just the perspective of he was a fighter, yeah. Uh, and in the in that, like you're saying, late eighties and nineties, early nineties, especially fighting was just part of the game. Oh, uh, it was just. Huge part of the game. Yeah, like yeah. they kind of. I mean, I, I don't know if that's just true now, but I like when I started stopped watching. I had like instigator role. Like whoever starts to fight gets next for five or ten minutes or gets right. thrown out of the game. So, but but before that, two players could just fight on the ice, and as long as one wasn't overly aggressive to start the fight, they both went away for ten minutes or something like and that. And even if they were, you might have gotten a, an additional penalty. But there, like you said, there was no. Instigator. The instigator rule is just sort of as it stands. Who started the fight? Yeah, yeah. And which is um, who threw the first punch? Which is sort of yeah, right, yeah. or who sort of grabbed who? Right. Yeah. And uh, that really, uh, a lot of people see that as uh, a real turning point in the, the game. Yeah. Um, hockey is a, a very unique sport, and what that really was about was about keeping players accountable. Yeah. And. Uh, that especially players that would go after skilled players. Yeah, going so, back to like you know, the Gretzky's. Even Gretzky, yeah. Gretzky uh, played a lot of years with uh, Dave Semenko on his wing. Dave Semenko was not a, a playmaker or a goal scorer. He was really a tough guy. Yeah, uh, and he was there to make sure that nobody took a shot at Gretzky. Yeah, and if they did, well, here came Semenko. Yeah, and as a result. You know, Wayne didn't really get beat around that much. Because even there was a time even when Wayne got taught, like just brushed, Seneca yes. would just oh, if you thought about it, it, yeah, you yeah. couldn't look at him, right? Yeah. And that there was that deterrent. So you, as a result, yes, there were there were more fights, there was more hitting, uh, which you can sort of debate, especially what we know now with about uh, um, concussions and CTE and things like that. Yeah, but. One thing you, I think you can you can say, and I, I think the numbers would back me up, is that star players were hurt less. Right. There so fewer you had injuries. fewer injuries yeah. to the star players. Yeah. So you had guys like the Gretzkys and the Coffees um, that weren't missing games. Whereas you see lots of times now, uh, Austin Matthews, Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid. It's you know what the term they used to use is open season. It's open season on these guys, right? Yeah. yeah. Because the idea is that well, if you go after uh, this guy, you're going to get an instigator penalty. So it's not just a fight, but now your team is is down a man on a penalty kill. And yeah. sometimes it's you still do it because you know it's, right. it's not yeah. worth it. But yeah. that really did sort of start that uh, that that change in the game. And the skill is great for sure, but a skilled player who's injured. Can't make any skill plays. He's he's not playing. Yeah. Um, so that was the one thing about uh, that uh, sort of um, um, that era of of uh, Clark and uh, Semenko and guys like that was that they did sort of the policing and they kept those guys in the game. Yeah. Yeah. I um. Yeah. And I mean, I told, so like you said, like knowing what we know now is, is injuries or certainly like uh, violence in, in high school in high school like just what what. How that translated the violence on the ice, how that translated to violence among children and and teenagers playing hockey. That that's a whole other thing. Uh, that's that's a, definitely an issue. Um, but back then it was just it was part of the game. And my my memory with Wendell Clark was hey, he was a great player, the scoring, the the just clutch player. Um, but I, I remember there's uh he we were going I can't remember which teams, but we're going up against three major teams, and every single one of them had a bruiser, like the right. guy. And they unlike Wendell Clark, they were just there to fight. They yeah. didn't score. Wendell Clark actually scored Wendell goals. Was a player. Was a yeah, player. Yeah, yeah. And it was like the first night he get he it was just like at some point in the middle of the game, they just both dropped gloves and they fought. And then the second night a different team. Yeah. And the third night, I can't remember why, but the game wasn't televised. And I, uh, and maybe I was just not at home. And I remember listening to it on the radio. I'm like, well, I don't normally listen to hockey on the radio. I was never that big of a fan to right. like, you know, I'm going to listen to it on the radio. I know that's the thing. But, um, but I remember I listened to that game and he just waited and waited. And then the fight happened. And it was just like, it's great. Like it was, it was a big, it was a memorable part of the game. But I think what made Wendell Clark special was because he was more than just that, he as a very aggressive player. Um, this, from a Canadian whiskey's perspective, is interesting. So 100% rye, so think like lot 40, um, in ex-bourbon barrels. So this isn't brand new oak. This is you know probably first or second use American oak barrels. Uh, 100% rye, it's 
you know, just punchy like Wendell is, uh, you'll never get the a- the APV. What it's forty one point six percent, and what's that for? That's the Toronto's area wow. code four one six. That's that's the least rake here. Um, how no, hard so- is that to do to hit it forty one point six on the on the dot? Is that a difficult thing to do in this process? I'm, I'm smiling because I think the official answer would be they get a bit of a margin of error. <laughs> So uh, this is the that was the goal. We were aiming the, for forty one point six. It might be forty two point three. We don't know. Or forty one point eight. There's in the LCBO is very funny. In Ontario, we you know the LCBO sells all the liquor and they test every bottle for alcohol content. That's okay. that's done. And so it's always very funny when you see a bottle that's like from Scotland or for the U.S. and it's the percentages has a little white label over top and okay. it says, oh, no, 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 this is actually 42.3%. Right. Because there's like a margin of 0.4, I think, plus or minus that they get or, or something like that. So there's a bit of a margin of error. 41.6 was, uh, but it's all because uh, when the blending process, they'll lose a little bit of alcohol, they'll do this, they'll do that. And there's always going to be a little right. differences between even just the bottling line. Um, you can't get that, like that process of getting that ABV is is earlier. It's before the exactly before the blending, right? So it's, yeah, yeah. And you can't really... Go back. You no, sort of you have one back. shot at it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could always pour more barrels. Yeah. No, you're right. It would be very, it would be very difficult to go back uh, without pouring more barrels. Now you're, you know, depending on the size of your vat. All so, of a sudden, you have a giant, giant batch. This is supposed to be a small batch. <laughs> Why do we have forty-one point six? We went to 7.4. So I believe the official answer is this is pretty close to forty-one point six. Yeah. I, I this 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 whiskey kind of I, I both enjoy it and also kind of makes me sad because I love the nose it reminds me of lot forty. Mm-hmm. Um, what I do miss and I think um, uh, what I do miss about it is the uh, typically uh, lot forty is aged in brand new oak and this has some reused oak in it and it just I miss a little bit of that caramel sweetness. Right. Um, but uh, other than that, I've I've got no complaints. I think it's uh, very punchy, nice. The nose is beautiful on it. It just smells like. Canadian rye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would have thought it would have been a, had a little more sort of spice or pepper spice to it because of the like the hundred percent mm-hmm. rye that I've had have been yeah very peppery right yeah. yeah 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 you're right it is a little light yeah it's um that that's that I can't uh, I, I wouldn't be able to tell because it says it's hundred percent rye so maybe it's just uh, it is punchy like rye, it, but, it sort of hit, hits right away. Yeah, and the palate is just—I think maybe that that sweetness is kind of mm-hmm. carrying. It's, it's kind of not carrying enough of the rye notes through. I, maybe my—I've just been numbed by the seven previous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say this is very. Um, now, are we avoiding Yvonne Cornway because you're nervous about pronouncing that name? Oh boy! Well, we're going to do that now since you've pronounced Yvonne Cornway. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, as, as it was the. A great Montreal Canadian. Uh-huh. Uh ten Stanley Cup wins. Wow. For the Canadians. For the Canadians. That was that era when they He's, won a lot. Yeah. Well, he was in he's one of those guys that bridged a few eras. Okay. So I believe he was in at the tail end of those the great fifties teams. Oh. But he certainly guy. made it through the sixties and into the seventies. There was a few players, and that was a great thing Montreal always had, was that, you know, here's Maurice Richard, he's retiring. Well, Beliveau's here. Right. Uh, Beliveau's uh, retiring. Well, Guy Lafleur is here, right? right? And there was always sort of like this great next player, and they these eras are sort of, you know, they had won five Stanley Cups in a row in the late 50s, won four Stanley Cups in a row in the late 70s, and those teams are linked yeah, because you have guys like Cornwallier and Serge Savard, who sort of played through, and Henri Richard, Henri Richard, the only player to have eleven Stanley Cup wins. Right, eleven. Yeah, that's so amazing. Pretty amazing. Cornwallier was one of those guys that connected. He's one of, uh, you know, the Canadians have a very high bar for number retirement. Yeah, his number twelve is is retired by the Canadians, which is pretty well the highest honor. Uh, you can have uh, as a as a Canadian. Man, I, I can't imagine so many Stanley Cups. The Canadians must have retired a lot of numbers. Sorry for the sirens, downtown Toronto. They do. They certainly have a lot. If you, if you go through, if you're a player that gets traded to the Canadians and you have you want a low number, you're in trouble because one is out, right. two is out, three is out, four is out, 
Five is out. Six is available. <laughs> Seven is out. Eight is available. Nine is out. Ten is out. Eleven is available. Uh-huh. Twelve is out. Like it's, you got. There are very few opportunities to get a, a like a a single digit number or a low number, which is like a traditional hockey number, right? And and this is this is probably why I one of the reasons I started watching stopped watching hockey is I was an, I was um I was a Leafs fan, and. Montreal is too damn good, and there's too many Hab fans around me all the time telling Talking me Talking about 24 Cups, 24 Cups, Well, here's an interesting Canadian's leaf stat for you. Uh-huh. People talk a lot, Canadians have won 24 Stanley Cups, of course, uh, the most by, by far. Leafs are second at 14. Yeah. Uh, people complain, well, that was a lot of that. That was before expansion. Yeah. You know? So there was the original six teams that played until 1967. Right. Which was the last time the, the, the least one. Like, I know. That's, that's a little sounds. while ago. Since that year, since expansion happened in the next year, and the league went to 12 teams, and now we're at 31. Yeah. Uh, the Canadians have won 10, 10 Stanley Cups. Right, right. So they were actually tied with the Leafs at that time. That's how wow. successful the Leafs were. I think that was that's sort of missing in hockey lore, that yeah. until that point of 1967, the Leafs were just as successful as the Habs. It, Since then, it's 10 to 0, I shall I will say. I, and and I, I will say that, uh, was it uh, Harold Barrel, Ballard, the yeah. owner of the Leafs? Yeah, that, that, he was, uh, that was a lost decade or so. <laughs> Yeah, he was. He was. I, I don't know if these are true. I'm sure they are true stories. He he was known for like like making sure like that it was too hot during concerts so people would buy more water and things yeah, like that. Yeah, he was that kind of guy. He, he sure. was just the yeah. the worst kind of guy and just not. And not, some of these guys yeah. like Dave Keon and I believe Lanny McDonald. A lot of them uh, sort of left the Leaf family and sit Yeah. Um. I don't know about Lenny McDonald actually, but Daryl Sittler and I believe Dave Keon, and they were very sort of sore to wear the Leafs for a while, and yeah. a lot of it was because of Ballard. Ballard was a you know like I don't know how long he was in the owner, but it was for most Leafs fans it was too long. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was a tough, tough uh, you know period to go through where you know if they had any good players they had to leave because he didn't want to sign them. He didn't want to pay, the pay them money, right? Yeah. And very you know the epitome of a, like an eccentric. Owner, a lot of, a lot of wild stories about uh, Harold Ballard for sure. Um, meanwhile, the the Canadians were just um, were just constantly winning. I mean, the, the Patrick Ron and the whole the whole team was such a strong team. Um, They've been back back down to uh, since 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 the like well you can say since the late seventies. Yeah. So they won their four Stanley Cups in a row, ending mm-hmm. with nineteen seventy nine. Since then. Mm-hmm. There have been two cup wins. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So that's Detroit Red Wings were a big time in the eighties. Yes, and if you look yeah. at that from from that point on, yeah, they have not been at all a dominant team. They've been a pretty average to sort of below average team, but still two two Stanley Cup wins: one eighty six, one in ninety three. Ninety three was the last time a Canadian team won the Stanley Cup. Wow, that's amazing. That yeah, it's really it's amazing. That's shocking. Yeah, quite a long time. We're talking uh, twenty six wow. years. Yeah, we uh, and this I guess this the most most players in the NHL are still Canadian, but it's just the way they're mm-hmm. yeah. Um, the um, so this is forty percent ABV. Uh, it's a blend of corn, rye, and barley. It's twelve years old, uh, reflecting the jersey number. Um, uh, that's really and it's a it's blend. It's a has uh, bourbon barrels and uh, New York barrels, so a combination of them both. Um, not much else here. I think this was more blended to what he appreciated as a whiskey drinker. Right. This is an interesting whiskey. I, I almost get and I I get some faint notes of I don't know if it's like a. I like a little bit of wine, kind of like a wine sweet note on there, mm-hmm. or something like just a little bit of something that's not corn, rye, or barley, uh, which would be you know legitimate to use. Or maybe it's the what was in the barrels beforehand. Um, uh, but I do get a little bit of. Um, an interesting kind of sweet note, but there's like some cinnamon spice. There's a little bit of complexity here that I yeah. don't, based on what I'm reading here and what I'm tasting, mm-hmm. they don't seem to match up. Um, but like you said, in this process, some of these players were a little more involved than others. 100%, and yeah. And maybe this was a little bit more about Cornwallis' preferences as opposed to the sort of the Easter egg Easter eggs that, that are here, right? Yeah. The, the yeah. most significant one being the 12 year old age statement, which is, yeah, of course, his uh, retired number. His retired number. Um, all right. Um, Larry Robinson. 
So, uh, all right, I'm going to teach you a trick in the whiskey world. Yep. Uh, what we do is we'll take one of these glasses. Sorry, I ran out of glassware, believe it or not. We'll do this. We'll mm -hmm. pour some water in, and you drink the water, and now you got a fresh glass. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is, the, uh, this is the official way of getting around, and you just drink the water because, hey, it's water. It's good. Um, I can't say enough how uh, we don't talk enough about this, but drinking water with whiskey is so important, not only because your body gets dehydrated, but you want to you constantly flush the palate and the throat yeah. and everything else. Um, you know, there, there's certainly... Um, the, the fizzy water, too, I think. Oh, fizzy water is great for the palate. Great for, yeah. It's a little bit like having a little piece of pickled ginger between your, you know, unagi and uh, I love you know, it. California roll or something like that, right? hundred percent. I uh, you're gonna switch uh, switch up your fish. You gotta 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 yeah, have a little jazz your palate a little bit. Gotta get a little bit of a uh, gotta get a shock the palate with something a little different. Uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, fizzy water. I haven't been, but eventually I got convinced to get a uh, what you call soda stream. Now I'm like. It's all about the fizzy water. All right, so uh, Larry Robinson, um, you're going to have to, I, I'm going to tell you about the whiskey. You can tell me about the player. I'm, I feel like I watched him play, but I feel like I have no memory so about him. So <laughs> I don't know. Uh, corn and rye based. Um, a majority of it's cone, but uh, the flavor is high rye. Uh, influenced um, different barrel types. This uh, Canadian uh, recharred barrel. So basically, you, barrels have been reused many times, but recharred again. Ex bourbon barrels. Ex rum barrels, port barrels, and French oak. You know Larry Robinson was involved in this process because that's a lot yeah. of expensive stuff in there. Uh, French oak is is incredibly expensive, um, and the um, aged for six years in six barrels to reflect his six Stanley Cup wins. Uh, and then liquid proportions picked on his nineteen jersey playing number. So uh, proportions, I guess, uh, how you know each of those things right. were in there. Um, so this should be a complex pour, though a young pour. This is be interesting. Um, I'll, I'll have to take a little time with this. Uh, Larry Robinson, his nickname was Big Bird. Mm -hmm. He sort of looked a little bit like Big Bird. Great big tall guy, bruising defenseman, part of uh, the, the big three they called him for the Canadians in the 70s. Again, part of those sort of juggernaut, uh, flying Frenchmen, teams of the 70s. The big three was Larry Robinson, Serge Savard, and Guy Lapointe. Mm -hmm. And they just, you know, they were incredible defensemen. And he, again, sort of bridged that gap between the 70s teams and the 86 win. Okay. So he was part of that 86 win. And then he went uh, and finished his career in, in L.A. He got into coaching, and he just actually won uh, his fourth cup as a uh Coach or executive, so he also has ten official wow. wins. Wow. Six as a player, but 10, 10 wins total. Wow! Um, and he is a complex. You know, you can see like all the different kinds of barrels. Uh, he's sort of a like a unique guy like that too. He's into horses and things like that. Um, so yeah, sort of a one of these big bruising guys that has a surprisingly uh, sophisticated uh, side to him. Yeah, so I think you might be right that maybe say, hey, let's get a little port in here too. We get some. I I um I I I love this whiskey. It's it's all the whiskeys have tasted different. This one, I mean, all these different barrels in there are, are really great. Um, the French oak I think gives you like a little bit of kind of bubble bubblegum sweetness. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. The um, you you get the I feel like the it is a young whiskey, so six years again. Maybe some of there's there could always be something that's older in here, but um, at that age statement, having this kind of flavor is great. It doesn't taste young at all. It tastes uh, really quite nice. A lot of different complexities. Um, I don't know if I have a comparison point because you know some of these you know like a Wendell Clark's almost like a La Forty or like a uh, you know JP mm -hmm. Weiser's Triple Barrel. Like it's it has similar elements to some of those things. You can kind of make some comparisons here. One of them was a little bit like Good or Heaven Warts, not really, but it had some elements of this. This tastes really outside the wheelhouse of what uh, what I've had from uh, from the distillery um, and quite nice. I um, wow well, I. Um, there is like a, yeah. like a a like a wine like it's not like plummy but mm. well you're absolutely right it's, it's got kind of that that kind of like um like a plum's good uh, it, it, the sharpness is kind of raisin sharp yeah um, and then it has that kind of like plum like sweetness to it um, what I like too is the uh, rye comes through and it's like a slow pepperiness of rye because you don't right. get that like. Sometimes you can get like uh, really intense rye. Just all you get is the pepperness and some peppery notes. And sometimes you get a rye that just kind of 
small dots of pepper, but you still are very present. And I feel this is that. All that sweetness comes through and then you kind of get the rye hit a little bit here and there. So the complexity of that flavor and the sort of, it, it like you say, it doesn't, it doesn't taste young. No. Is that really from the six different barrels? Is that really what's happening? It's, it's just you're getting a little bit of different uh, uh, flavor of those barrels in each one, and that's really where the complexity is coming from? Yeah, 100%. Because when you have, uh, one of the things I love about the Canadian whiskey industry is that they're able to bring in all these different barrels, and then they just kind of add a little bit of this. Okay, we've got sweetness, but now maybe we need a little more rye to bring up the pepper notes. Okay, right. maybe this is a little too dry, because you know, you t- especially with like the, um, the rum and the pork casks, you might get something that's a little dry, so now you want to add a little bourbon cask to kind of add out the, f- the, the, the finish to make it more peppery towards the mm-hmm. finish. And so you're constantly playing with these elements. Um, and the, challenge, the, the dangers are, if you start blending too many things, then you just kind of mute everything. So right. you, you just, you know, think but about it on a grand scale, you'll yeah. Just have no flavor, so it's just kind of working with it without going too far. But it feels cohesive. Yes, yes, yeah, and that's that's you know I can tell you the sweetness is coming. A lot of it's uh, French oak and, and rum and port, the sweetness of it. But like that ex bourbon and the recharge barrels, I think that that to me says they were like okay. It probably was very sweet, and they wanted it to kind of right. edge it out. So recharge barrel means you're going to get a little more caramelization, a little bit more oak extraction, right. and you're going to get a little bit more of the peppery notes, and they just wanted to bring that in without mm-hmm. bringing too much sweetness. Because if they would have wanted more sweetness, they would have brought in virgin oak, right? Yeah, like I can't Boom. see Larry Robinson putting sugar in his coffee, for example. Yeah, that's a great he's, point. He's, he's got to be a, a, he's a black coffee guy, I think. I, uh, I, He's I probably uh, like a pour over a French press guy. <laughs> that sounds right. very much like no me, milk, yeah. no sugar, no, milk, no, no honey, sugar. no cinnamon. No, I um, I, I have to say that's uh, this is. I think that's great whiskey. That's really nice. I uh, gotta say that's the most different one. I think mm-hmm. the most sort of unique one. I think we've tasted for sure. Um, we haven't done uh, La Fleur. La Fleur. All right, let's do it. I think that's the last one. Have we done? No, we have, have we done Dave Keon? No, we haven't done okay, Dave got, Keon. All right, so we've got two more to go: uh, Guy Lafleur and Dave Keon. And um, Dude, you are a Leaf fan. We call him Guy Lafleur. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I he's he's not Guy Ritchie. He's I, you know what? That's that's a terrible mistake. As a Canadian, I should that was known. on purpose. That was a Leaf mm-hmm. fan. It, it probably comes from that source. Cheers. So the, <laughs> cheers. <laughs> uh, if, if for for our American audience. Um, every um, uh, in Montreal, every player's names are pronounced. There, especially if they're French Canadians, are pronounced in their phrase. So, like Guy Lafleur, Patrick Roy, Patrick Roy. See, I did it. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Maple Leaf fan wouldn't call wouldn't call Guy. Would say Guy because that's the that's right. American. That's the you know Anglophone way of saying it. And so uh, Patrick Roy instead of Roy. Yeah. Um, terribly offensive. I do apologize for that. I, I think I, it's just like it's an ingrained Leaf fan thing to totally do. Totally something too. in the like, 80s and 90s. It's just like yeah. a troll. Like it's an automatic troll it's job. An automatic troll job. You're not even thinking about, but like you say Pat Roy instead of saying Patrick Roy. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a terrible thing, and uh, we should respect how <laughs> players want to have their names pronounced, uh, for sure. So Guy Lafleur, um, and I also have a terrible French accent. I will add, I've I've got. A, I've been told never to do a, a French accent. Yeah, I said uh, <laughs> my wife has told me, please don't don't try to don't try to don't try to do any accent really. So I'm going to tell you about the whiskey. Tell me about the player. Uh, 100% corn, so no rye, no anything else. Um, however, there's uh, barrel types right here. Interesting. There's some space side, some ex bourbon, and some ex rum. So this think of this more maybe like a Pikes Creek uh, if you're into that because it's got the kind of rum finish, a little bit of space side. Um, so uh, the the blend is about a third each, depending on based on time. So I mean, I guess you know if they spent like one year in space side, but there's you know anyway, you get the idea. It's it's, it's right. one third each, but based on time spent in barrels, uh, aged for ten years to the equivalent of his number of his journey. One hundred percent corn to reflect the natural smooth hands and balanced complex tones of charisma of the flower, La Fleur, the flower. Oh yes, of course, yes. French scene. Again, French. Not my strong song. <laughs> Guy the Flower was really what we should be calling him here in Toronto. That's right. Guy the Flower. Guy the Flower. Uh, Guy Lafleur was really, like, he was, again, you know, epitome of, uh, we're talking about some of the the Leafs and Wendell Clark being sort of the epitome of the sort of tough, no-nonsense Leaf teams that could score. Guy Lafleur was like the epitome of the the flying Frenchman, Mm -hmm. really. Um, And by the way, that 
that term is not at all offensive to Canadians fans or right. Quebecers, as, as far as I've ever heard. Yeah, that was that's really a, a, a statement of pride. Mm-hmm. They were a fast skating team that had all kinds of skill, and Guy Lafleur was really that guy that ripped down the right wing and blasted a shot p- past you. And he was also very famous for uh, for smoking. Mm-hmm. He. <laughs> Was like one of these like natural athletes that you could eat anything, do anything, and there was lots of stories of him smoking cigarettes in the in between periods and things like that. <laughs> Just like a throw, like you would never ever ever see that now. Yeah, but he was that he was that guy apparently, right? It's funny because I bet you back then the the caliber wasn't at that stage. Like you could get away with smoking. It's well, like- certainly like the training and like how guys treated their bodies was. Totally different. Right. They, they had now the same they, yeah. players are so good to their bodies. Like uh, there's a lot of vegan players now. Right. Uh, even big guys like Zidane Chara and stuff like that is a vegan, right? Like they're fitness freaks. Like they are even the really young guys that, that come in. But, you know, back in the 70s, it was, yeah, <laughs> smoke your cigarettes. <laughs> I remember uh, great- drink your whiskey and, uh, you know, and do what you want. You're good. Yeah. You show up in training camp and you're in no kind of shape. And training camp was get yourself into shape. Yeah. Now, if you show up uh, out of shape at a training camp, they'll, they'll, They'll terminate your contract. Yeah, yeah, or they'll yeah. They'll send you down or trade you or something like that. Right? You're, you're training before training no camp. You got to be ready. Yeah, um, yeah. It's funny. I, I think it was uh, LeBron James. I was listening to an interview of him with uh, David Stewart, and he's like, "Yeah, if he, like how people always say, like, oh, he's such a natural talent, but no, like he works at this every <laughs> single day <laughs> yeah. for 16 hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> he breathes yeah. basketball. It's like, sure, I'm a natural. Like, it just you can't get away with that these yeah, days. Yeah, that's something that people like to say that, like, oh, he's a you know. God-given talent or something. I believe that to an extent. Yeah, of but course. Any player at this point, yeah, that has has made it to the professional ranks and is is you know at the top of their game has worked incredibly hard. I mean, even back then, even yeah, even back then, Guy Lafleur would have worked really hard. Not as hard as players do today, but he had that. He had definitely had that talent, that goal scoring ability, and um, he was on all the highlight reels. If I remember oh, yeah. correctly, like any any time. Hockey Night in Canada started, or or whatever. There's any high, he was there. You could always yeah. hear as well. And he had the great hair back in the time of the the no helmets. That's right. Yeah. And so flying down the right wing with his hair going, and it was a really sad day when Guy Lafleur started to lose his hair. That was a real oh that was wow. a bad thing. But you know what? He has since become a, a, a proud spokesperson uh, of uh, some hair rejuvenation. Oh, process nice. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> There's life after. <laughs> Um, I um I don't know if I so we've had a few of the space side barrel finishes. Are you kind of picking up on that that kind of dark barrel note, that kind of like brown sugar heavy note? I feel like all the space side influences have that that thing, but this also has a little bit of rum sweetness to it. Very nice whiskey, kind of nice complex, nice balance, nice. Uh, I like it. I like dance on the palate, dances yep. on the palate pretty nicely. Yep, yep. and that, that that corn for sure. It's a sweet. It's a sweet one, but there's the finish is a little. It's not sweet all the way through. No, no, it does kind of. Which maybe the only criticism of the it does finish is kind of subtly. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, it's very, very nice whiskey. And yeah, it is, I guess that's and this is where we're missing a little bit of that rye because it's just it doesn't have the. But it's not supposed to. Like, this is the kind of whiskey that uh, Guy Lafleur wanted, and it's yeah. Guy Lafleur, unlike players like Lenny McDonald, were was not a complete player. Yeah. They would often just not play him in the third period. Oh, interesting! If they were up by a few goals, he was smoking cigarettes. He's like, he's, whatever. He just know you go in back in the, in the locker room and you can smoke your cigarettes. We're trying to win a game here, and you don't play defensive hockey, so just <laughs> take a seat. Um, I know almost nothing about Dave Keon. Um, so is that because I, I couldn't even tell you? Does that mean he's a really old hockey player or a really new hockey player? Well, Dave Keon is one of those players that. Um, he was really the heart and soul of those great Leaf teams of the 60s. Okay, okay. Um, but he was not a player that really, I mean, not that, I, you know, I'm not old enough to see him, but I was, you know, I did a lot of uh, archival footage watching and reading as a, as a kid, and he didn't really have any one attribute that really stuck out. Yeah. He was, you know, the, there's a funny term, he was a hockey player. Right? right, he was just a hockey player. He did everything right, approached the game right, was a great leader, stepped up when you needed him to. Yeah, um, and yeah, really was the leader of those those uh, uh, Leaf teams of the '60s. Um, but yeah, you, you wouldn't say like 
was he the fastest or the toughest or scored the most goals? Like he, he could do a little bit of all those things, right? Um, but he really was, and he's still regarded as one of the greatest Leafs. Okay. Although if you talk to a fan from, you know. A, My age. <laughs> yeah, or, or younger. Yeah. They wouldn't know necessarily a ton about him because he didn't have a huge personality mm-hmm. uh, or a big name, even like Lanny McDonald or Dale Sittler. Uh, but he was, yeah, definitely one of the all-time great Leafs. I am. Um, I, he, um. So I, the one thing I can tell you is uh, Keon came into the room with the big ideas of how he wanted this whiskey to taste. Okay. Um, uh, Don, that doesn't surprise Don, me. Don shared me the story. And, um, I think uh, Keon was a big fan of kind of like the, this, he's a big fan of uh, scotches especially. So, you know, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, J.P. Weiser's Union 52, but it was this, um, uh, something they released in the BC market and it was, Mostly Canadian whiskey, but a percentage of it was 52-year-old uh, scotch. And it was... 52 Yeah, I mean, it's the bottom of the barrel, like that thing. So Keon comes in and he's like, look, I this is this is the recipe I want. And, and of course, you know, we don't make scotch here. Right. Um, and so, but we do, we do malted barley. Uh, so, uh, but it still wouldn't be the same sort of flavor profile of a, of a scotch. Um, so there was a challenge. Uh, I'm sure Don was very much involved in this, but he, oh, as he was with all these, but um, corn, rye, malted barley with the three grains. Um, it's aged for 14 years to reflect his number. Uh, 45% ABV to reflect um, his 45 points scored in his first season. You know they wanted 45. Like, how do we include 45? Right. Okay, yeah. we got it. Um, and four barrel types to, uh, to commemorate his four, four wins. So there's uh, bourbon barrels, uh, space-side malt barrels. So that would have been the barrels used for Union 52 or something of the sort. They, um, they, they sourced some barrels there. Uh, Canadian barrels and brand new unused oak uh, were the four barrel types. Um, so I'm ex- I would assume something complex. This seems, seems like it would be a fun whiskey to drink. Um, on the nose, I'm getting um, some rye and like the barrels, I'm getting like the, the uh, kind of like, uh, like a char number three sort of sweet caramel, like a Maker's Mark sort of char level caramel notes uh, on, on the nose. So very light. When you say turn number three, sorry. Oh yeah, that's a good, good question. Um, when uh, uh, depending on how long the barrels are burned from the inside, to taste the char number. So three is usually like three oh, okay. or four or, or, or beyond. Um, and uh, char number three usually gives you kind of softer caramel notes. Right. Well, you so Maker's Mark is kind of softer, but then you look at the, kind of the big bourbons are usually char number four, and that just gives you it caramelizes a little of the sugar in the wood. So you're going to get car- like caramel notes because it's a little caramelized sugar. Um, and so that kind of that difference in char level will reflect the kind of style of whiskey you'll, you'll be tasting. What about the like the virgin oak? Like w- w- you're just getting oak basically. Uh, yeah, really, virgin oak, you? but it's always going to be charred. Okay, yeah, so they will. Yeah, okay. they will char. Yeah, there's no um, without charring without the charring process, you're gonna just like you said, you're just gonna get oak. You're gonna get more stringent um, things. So you even would they uh, ever do that? Like, is there any other kind of wood where they it's, it would just be the flavor of the wood, even like a, like a cherry or something like that, or? No, um, typically not. So the that's a good question. The a lot of uh, in Scotland, a lot of the oak is um, you know you you would toast the oak, you wouldn't char it, so it's more of a toasting process. So you just heat it up, but you wouldn't necessarily burn. Uh, but all that is to you want to break down those sugars in the oak because otherwise you would just taste oak. Right. But oak's also seasoned outdoors, so it's, it's already broken down by the elements. Usually for the the wood use is usually broken down for eight to twelve months, sometimes sixteen months or even mm-hmm. more. So you're kind of you're always trying to break down those those chemicals because otherwise you're just chewing on on oak and you don't want that. Right. Okay. So even the virgin oak would have been charred, you know, char number three was my guess, but that, that kind of low char level to kind of give that release of sugars um, and, and that. And then eventually uh, through the maturation process, all the bad oak flavors are still there, will will oxidize out over time. So you're kind of, you're really playing with that kind of time uh, and, and all that. So char number four, a lot of caramel, char number three, just kind of softer. Uh, softer caramel notes. Yeah, I, I get a lot of nice rye, very comfortable levels of rye in this. Hmm. Now I really got the sort of the barley, yeah, the barley malt. You know, I I don't do a lot of tasting, so I'm 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 sort of feeling my way through this. But it it that's sort of what jumped out out to me on mm-hmm. this one. Yeah, there there's definitely um. There's definitely kind of that that barley sweetness, the corn sweetness, the rye. 
Um, all of it's kind of nice. It's all kind of playing at an even balance. It's not um, nothing's overpowering the other. I, I agree with you. Like um, this is probably one of the ones that the malted barley is more present than the other ones we've had. Um, the rye, the corn, um, the space side. Again, I keep I just that little bit of char, I don't I can't just a little bit of char. Right, bitterness, uh, vanilla, maybe vanilla extract would be a better example of that space side malt uh, influence. Um, nice level of sweetness. It kind of, uh, it kind of just just continues that same flavor throughout the throughout the palate, and then just kind of fades off a little bit after right. a while. It's got a nice finish to it. I think out of the ones we've had, it's it's with the exception of maybe the one that had that like the rum, and then this has got a nice nice long finish to it. I think the um, combination of malted barley and rye is a really interesting one in a lot of these Canadian whiskeys, but I agree with you. It's got malted barley. The rye kind of mm-hmm. sets the tone a little bit. Yeah, nice whiskey. That's it. That's <laughs> it. We've tasted through nine whiskeys. Average day for me. Brian, how are you doing? <laughs> a little different for me, <laughs> but uh, that was fun. Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, well, thank you for coming on. Um, hopefully, um, um, hopefully we were able to keep everybody entertained. I... Uh, Oh, uh, I did want to say the um, that you have a website as well. So if you want to do a podcast and everything else, you you can. I mean, I know that's about primarily what you do. You, yeah. I mean, podcast is is becoming a lot more of what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've had a, a production company for a number of years. It's called Three Mountains. The website is Three Mountains, spelled out three yep. mountains. We always link it in the show notes as well. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. There you go. <laughs> I mean, I knew that. <laughs> right. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it, it was a lot of, I did a lot of uh, video production, still do quite a bit of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but podcast is really becoming more and more of, of what I do. And it's a fun thing to play with. And I love it. And yeah. I, I love working with it for sure. And this has been a great thing uh, t- uh, to be on. I had you on, uh, you know, I had a podcast before yeah. that's, I guess, technically still in hiatus called uh, Food Stuff's been like a hiatus for like three years. Uh, and we had you on there. Yeah, yeah. And that's what sort of led led to this and us sort of working together. And, uh, you know, thanks for, for bringing me on to this and, and, and letting me be sort of a part of this. And it's fun to be on this side too. And, yeah, right. And, uh, I, I was looking forward to get you. <laughs> do this I, thing together. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was looking forward to get you on. I just, I, I do want to say total appreciation because I, I, early days, I loved editing the podcast. It was like I was very into it. And, um, but, you know, my whiskey career kind of progressed and things just, and then family. But, but even before the family, I was just like, it stopped being fun for me at a certain point to edit the podcast. Yeah. A certain point it was fun. And then it just, it started, stopped being fun. And, um, but I also realized I wasn't doing it well. The sound quality, the, the kind of the processing that you do in the background, that kind of stuff. I didn't know how to do any of that. Uh, so having you on, making us sound better is wonderful and, and editing the podcast is wonderful. Um, so yeah, the show, your uh, link to your websites on the, on the show notes and um, support us on Patreon. Absolutely. Sounds good. Thanks, Ryan. Cheers. Thanks, Mark. Nicely done. <laughs> How long was that? That was quite long. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>